I went to Catholic school for a while. I feel you. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about a horror movie. <laughs> They never support original movies. They bitch about sequels, and they'll rush out and see them opening weekend. So, of course, more sequels get made. And then an original movie gets made, and they go on the internet, and they tear the director down because they're jealous or whatever. They're like, this person sucks. This movie's going to be terrible. It's like the horror fans are great, but a lot of the times they don't want to give new people a chance. They say they want new horror, and then they go, well, it wasn't as good as Evil Dead. It's like, yeah, it's Evil Dead. Nothing's ever going to be as good as Evil Dead. That's why it's Evil Dead. That's why it's Evil Dead. That's why it's Evil Dead. Hi, I'm Katie, the final girl. They're coming to get you, Barbara. And I'm Shaun of the Dead. Listen to them, children of the night. <laughs> this is the house that screams. <laughs> Today we are having a discussion for once, uh, not just uh, absolute chaos. We will be returning to absolute chaos. But... Uh, this discussion, um, I'm titling it from one of the few good lines in the craft. We are the weirdos, mister. But it's a discussion about horror fandom. And tonight we have Dave Gurman. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Yes. <laughs> Eric Wright. God's not supposed to be a hack horror writer. <laughs> <laughs> Nico Nice. I didn't mean to call you a meatloaf check. <laughs> and we have a new person that's joining us tonight. It's Gabe. Hi, Gabe. Hi there. And we all go a little mad sometimes. Oh, that's a good yes. one. That's perfect. <laughs> iconic. And speaking of iconic, our discussion tonight is about horror fandom, how it's impacted us. You know, we're going to go into some of our personal experiences, some of our favorites, um, and how it's impacted our life. Uh, our first thing that I want to talk about is uh, how did we get into horror? And um, I'm going to let Gabe um, start us off. How did you get into horror? Okay. Um, well, when I was little, my dad was once watching Bride of Chucky on TV, and I was like four, so I thought they were babies. I didn't realize they were dolls. I was <laughs> oh, that's even worse. <laughs> I know. And I had the biggest crush on Jennifer Tilly. Like, mm. she, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and um, and it's, uh, the scene where she got electrocuted in the bathtub horrified me, but I loved it at the same time. So that's what kind of started making me like horror movies. And then I watched Scream, and then that's just where it all started for me. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, it's so yeah. weird because um, you're you're only a little bit older than my oldest child. Um, yeah, she's twenty. Um, so yeah, so it's it, it's weird because for me, like Scream came out when I was in high like in high school, I think. Yeah, or right after high school. I think I was oh, still really? in high school. Yeah, so it's like it, it kind of shocks my mind. But my daughter is the same way though. She got into some of those things that came later for me. I love that. Yeah, that's my favorite movie of all time is Scream. It's a great one. Um, Sean Smith, Sean of the Dead. 
Well, <clears throat> kind of a similar you know story to Gabe's. It, it was my dad, um, and I know we talked in season one about um, how we got into horror a little bit. My dad was a huge movie uh, buff and action and horror and things like that. And the first horror movie that I ever saw, I actually snuck out of my bedroom and I crept into the living room. My dad was watching Hellraiser and (laughs) I was standing behind the couch unbeknownst to him. And, you know, I watched a little bit of this film and I had horrible nightmares after that. And then the the nightmare that I had that I remember the most in my room, I had a ceiling fan. And I dreamt that chains came out of the ceiling fan and got my arms and legs. And then the ceiling fan started to spin and just slowly started to to pull me apart. And so ever since that moment, like horror has been like a huge deal in my life. And it got to a point to where my dad realized my love for horror. And, you know, at eight, nine years old, he started letting me watch, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th and, um, Night of the Living Dead, you know, some of the some of the the slashers from the 80s. And my mom could have killed him. <laughs> she did. She didn't approve. And, you know, but he, he let me get away with it anyway. Yeah, that's an awesome story. And already we can see kind of the common thread. Let's see how this continues. Uh, Dave, how'd you get into horror? OK, I'm going to uh, have to break that common thread because my parents n- knew <laughs> nothing. Ha- although I have to preface but that my parents we're a little bit older than most of the parents of kids my age. My dad was like 38 when I was born. So he was a little bit older. So neither one of them knew anything about horror. Although my dad introduced me to some good stuff like Monty Python and like uh, second city television, but horror, I had to come around all too on my own. And really I, um, the probably the very first horror related thing I remember is watching the twilight zone mm-hmm. on TV yes. when I was a kid. Um, and I remember liking the really dark episodes a lot better. But for me, um, not to, you know, pick at the low-hanging fruit, but it's Night of the Living Dead. I remember recording it off of, um, I don't know if it was VH1 or MTV had some, like, Halloween special where they played it on TV. And I recorded it on VHS. And I would just watch it, rewind it, watch it. I, I think my parents were, like, in the other room going, should we be calling somebody about this kid because he's watching this movie? You know, with the – with the little girl stabbing her mother with the trowel and shit. But I came around to it all on my own pretty organically, um, which is why um, hopefully my daughter can jump in here a little bit later because I introduced her to horror. I kind of did what your parents did for you. I wanted to do that for my daughter. And so I you know, pretty much strapped her to a chair and watch, forced her to watch these horrible movies until she <laughs> pretended that she liked them so I would stop. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll ask her to jump in at some point and she can just confirm all of that. um erica okay so um my parents were like super conservative fundamentalist evangelical christians and like i was not allowed to watch anything violent or read anything violent that probably spawned a stronger obsession than if they had just been like okay whatever uh, but I think even from the age of kindergarten or first grade, I was super entranced by those awesome uh, VHS uh, horror covers and paperback covers of that time period. So I was always sneaking looks at those, and I would try to imagine what the story was based on those cool covers. Um, but it was, like, forbidden for the longest time. And I think when I finally 
did start reading horror, I, I got by with, you know, I started with Edgar Allan Poe and then H.P. Lovecraft, but they're classics. So, I mean, I could kind of talk my yeah. parents into that more easily. Um, and I think, I don't even remember the first horror film I finally saw. I know I was in my, like, I was 16 or 17 years old. So it was like quite a while before I actually was like able to see horror films but i think uh, some of my first ones were on uh, monster vision so i've got the t-shirt tonight got so many fond memories of joe bob briggs and i just lived for saturday yes. nights and, oh, yeah. yeah i would I, record them on tape and watch them over and over again but that's I another story <laughs> yeah. i was in love with joe bob i don't think i stopped being in love with him but whatever yes. um <laughs> nico so mine is a little different. Like my my mom and my stepdad were actually pretty cool with um watching horror movies. But my my first exposure to the genre, and I'll never forget this. I think I was it was I was very 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 young, and it's one of the few memories like that I have as a child. Like with my with my real dad, was Poltergeist was on, <laughs> and yeah. it was the scene where the dude's washing his face. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, the skin starts coming off and, like, he's melting and all this shit. It freaked me the fuck out. So, mm-hmm. after that, I was kind of, like, I'll admit it. I was, like, kind of chicken shit when it came to horror movies and horror in general. Like, to the point, like, I wouldn't even watch, like, Ghostbusters and I was afraid of Thriller. But, like, my mom, like, sat me down when Thriller came out and was, like, you're watching this shit. And then she's, like, but now you're going to see how they did it. Because it was, like, that, that making of video where it showed everything. I remember after that. that after that, I got into it more so, and then I started realizing, like, all the shit that goes on behind the scenes that actually makes what, you know, scared us, you know, go on the screen. Um, and that was actually my, my first exposure to John Landis's my favorite horror movie of all time, American Rebel from London, was, was the thriller video, because when he, you know, had mentioned I, you know, saw American Werewolf, I, I hired John Landis, I got Rick Baker... And it was the same. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta see this. Like, remember back then, this was before. Like, we knew better that Prince was better, but you know, <laughs> yeah. when, when when MJ was like really legit, like untouchable, like the king of the world with Thriller, his word his word was gold. So I, I mean, I guess in a weird way, I have to also thank Michael Jackson for kind of getting me into the horror movies, you know. And then like just like Sean, I'm more into the slashers. It was weird because like I'm wearing this one now because I used to be shit scared of Michael Myers when I was a kid. I mean, the motherfucker is scary as shit. But scary. I always liked Freddy. I always liked um, Chucky when I was a kid. But like, as I got older, I realized that Michael and, and Jason, especially Jason, Jason, my, my favorite overall, are the more fun ones. So, yeah. you know, again, it just goes back to that. If not seeing Poltergeist, I don't know if we would be sitting here right now talking about this together. Well, my next point is actually our first official horror film. Some of us have said that. So I'm going to actually cover what we just talked about and mention my first horror film. My upbringing was interesting. My mom was very, very young when she had me. She was 17. And this is uh, late 70s. I was born in 79. So, um, you know, ever since I was a little kid, my mom was, you know, just she was such a big horror fan. And for her, what got her into it was Night of the Living Dead when they showed up in midnight movies in the 70s because, you know, clearly they couldn't watch anything at home unless it was on TV and it wasn't, you know, TV was very censored then. Um, so, you know, my first real film uh, was Night of the Living Dead and it scared the absolute shit out of me. I was so scared of it. Like, I had, ni- I still have zombie nightmares sometimes. Um, 
you know, and, it, and it's weird because I, I love them. It's like, and that's the thing is like, uh, I think we get afraid of things then we get obsessed and then we become fans. So yeah, with that. And then my grandfather was into the classics. Uh, there was a local horror host, uh, here in Indy called Sammy Terry. And, uh, he, he was kind of like a Spingoolie, but he was scary. I, I, Cause I don't think Spingoolie is scary. He's kind of funny, but he, Sammy Terry was fucking scary. And, uh, you know, that in Twilight Zone, they would uh, play Twilight Zone episodes, then Sammy Terry and blah, blah, blah. So I had that for my grandfather. And then my mom, you know, my mom just and she she worked at a video store so I could go in and rent whatever the fuck I wanted to. And she let me watch whatever I wanted to, even if it gave me nightmares. And I had a very early attachment to Freddy Krueger, as uh, you guys all know, Um, because because I think he scared me the most. And I think that's why I was so obsessed. He scared me the most because I had, uh, from a young child, I was uh, I had sleep disorder. So I was like, "Fuck, he can kill me in my dreams," you know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, that's like. <laughs> yeah. So, but my first official, like, really sat down and watched it was uh, *Night of the Living Dead*, the original. And that's cool that I had that from my mom because that was her first. My mom's such a big horror nut still to this day. So, you know, it's pretty awesome about having a young mom, you know. So. I, yeah. I agree. So anybody. Awesome. Anybody who didn't say their first official, I, I think uh, Gabe did and Nico did. Uh, who else did, did anybody else have their first official? I didn't. I don't remember what I saw first, but I was super obsessed with Wes Craven as a teenager. So I know some of the first films I saw were Nightmare on Elm Street, Wes Craven's New Nightmare and Scream. Um, even yeah. in elementary school, I thought Freddy Krueger was like super cool and scary, but I wasn't allowed to watch those movies. So I was like, just looking at things I had read about the series or still images from video covers and that kind of thing. So I was like the forbidden fruits. But. Yeah. Yeah. I think a uh, video art, you know, has lost its luster in the eighties. Mm-hmm. It was really peak. You know, yeah. When we had, we had the video stores and you could go in and, and I would, I would base what I was going to watch. I saw a lot of shit and I saw a lot of cool stuff. <laughs> but based on video art, like, like the video dead is one that really attracted me. And we know how that went. If you were there for that episode, <laughs> that movie's fucking awful. But then there were some that, that I picked up and I, and I was reanimator was one. And I was like, Oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so, you know, I, I hate that that's a lost art. Dave. Well, if you think about it, back in the day when you would rent a movie, you would walk up and down the aisles of a, a blockbuster and look at those. That was their, you know, shot at you. That was their 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 chance to grab your attention. So those video those videotape covers got really interesting. The way that they had to be eye catching, and I like the ways it always made me laugh. The ways that the like really low rent ones would try to m- mimic the more <laughs> high rent ones, and like you know, either in title or in style or in both. But yeah, so you're walking up and down the aisle, and it's basically they're like crying out to you, "Hey, rent me, rent me," you know. And they had to do that with, uh, yeah, with whatever was on the box, which you would linger on for, you know, three seconds. And I always thought that was very interesting. Oh yeah. Oh, Sean. Yeah. So that's one of the most nostalgic uh, memories I have with my dad was going to the video store, and you know, like I still like you know that that scent memory. The, the smells that, that sometimes cause you to, to have these memories. Like there was a particular smell at the local video store that we had, and it was a little hole in the wall, but I'll never forget that smell. And, and my dad would take me and let me pick out whatever movies I wanted. And I was the same way. I would base it all off 
the video art. Didn't care what the movie was about. Yeah. It was just all about like what, you know, what visually, you know, grabbed me at that moment. And that's how I, I ended up watching some of the, the movies that I still love to this day was based off that, that video art. And Candy, I will agree with you. The Video Dead had a great, you know, a great VHS cover. Yes. But, but I mean, the movie is just god awful. <laughs> this is often the case. Um, Erica. Oh, yeah. Um, talking about like, uh, selecting based on video art i i picked my uh, theatrical i spit on your grave poster because i love that um that video cover in the store mm-hmm. um, i don't think i saw that until i was like 20 or 21 but i um, found it at a mom and pop vhs shop where you get you know five movies five days for five dollars and i just thought it was going to be some kind of slasher film i didn't know it was going to be like Ooh, but it's like one of my all-time <laughs> favorite movies. I wasn't uh, expecting like a 20-minute rape scene. I was like, whoa. But no. Yeah. <laughs> no. I have a story then, about that. Yeah, I, I miss the, that style of um, video cover, though, or movie poster. Um, like that that regrettable late 90s floating heads thing was the worst, where it's just like, boring. I agree. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Um, Nico? So kind of just to, you know, go on par with what everybody else is saying, like, even like with the cover art, like, okay, Sleepaway Camp, for example, has a completely, like, like that cover art had nothing to do with what was in the movie. But it was minimalistic. Very. And, you know, I think that that's one of like, like the key things that like, you know, to kind of go on like the VHS, like cover art, even like, I mean, Gabe, I mean, for you, like it was like the DVD covers at that point, right? For you? It was still it was still VHS because we still had video stores back in the, when I was little and I'd love to go to them. They had this one place called Casablanca that I'd always bug my grandma to take me to, and she would I would always rent Bride of Frankenstein at least once a week. It was pretty funny. Nice. <laughs> the thing, you know, like the, the the cover art could be kind of misleading. So we're like it, it, you know like 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 Troll Two for example. It was this the <laughs> thing, and then it was like nope, it was a completely different fucking movie. Yep. Yeah, for me, um, I just yeah. wanted to, uh, we, get, we know how I feel about uh, VHS stores. I worked at Blockbuster for uh, a while. They hired me away from, uh, I worked at Funko Land, and I worked at, uh, I'd been a manager at some mom and pop video stores previous to that. But Blockbuster threw a lot of money at me, so I went and worked for them. And I think they're evil. A lot of people are like, oh, Blockbuster was so great. I'm like, they didn't even have a horror section anymore. Mm-hmm. So but you went to your mom and pops, and that's where my mom works, is a place called Indie Video here in um, Indianapolis and uh, it was like uh, they have like maybe four or five locations but she worked on the west side we live near Speedway and it was just like they had a huge horror section and you, there were rows and rows you know it was just so much to pick from and, and they would get uh, really cool stuff like I had a Chucky doll from a promo you know this is you know the VHS age uh, was so magical and I was so glad that I got to uh, get into horror at that time but definitely fuck Blockbuster I'm sorry they didn't have the selection and in your grave my comment um, for that is that uh, I it was so hard to get a, a hold of a copy it was one of those movies and having worked in so many video stores it was one of those movies we'd get in somebody would rent it and we'd never see it again we'd have yeah. one copy and then when it, it was it, we were like that with a couple different movies like uh, stuff like uh, cult stuff like that so I finally managed to get my hands on a copy when I was probably got it was right around the time I was I got pregnant with my daughter I was about 19 and uh, I finally watched it and I was like this is what this is 
holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> and it was, I was watching it with a bunch of guys. That's going to come up. And they were saying some extremely <laughs> offensive things during that, that scene. And I, I can't even repeat it. Because if you've seen that movie, you yeah. guys would probably feel like you want to throw up. The things that were saying. I'm the only girl in the room going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, anyway. I they, spit on your grave. Uh, I have a... Yeah, I have a lot to say about that film. No, they probably not. got real quiet during the bathtub scene, though. Yeah. Oh, yes, they did. <laughs> they, probably had no, they probably had nothing to say then. I had some stuff to say then, though. Yeah, yeah, me too. And my therapist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, what I, what I want to jump to is um, how being a horror fan impacted us socially. And how this came up is... Uh, several episodes ago, it may have been our first uh, episode of this season, uh, Dave was talking about, you know, um, kind of like how he got into horror because he just kind of felt like misunderstood or was like an outcast. And he, and they made, he mentioned cheerleaders. And I said, wait a minute, you can't make that assumption because I was a cheerleader. And he was like, what? And I was like, we need to talk about this. So, um, you know, um, I'm basically asking, did you, were you, did you feel like an outcast because you were such a horror fan? Did you have friends that you could share this with or family or anybody, or did you meet cool people or did you just feel fucking weird? Um, um, I'll go. Okay, Sean. Okay, so I was I was an outcast um, in my teenage years. Um, I, you know, in high school, and, and I'm sure all high schools are like this. You have cliques, you have groups, uh-huh. you have your jocks and your nerds and your, you know, whatever. So I was a skater, and I hung out with other skaters and the metalheads, you know. And I'm not ashamed to admit, um, I sold drugs to the jocks and the dweebs. And so, like, I was kind of like that that guy that kind of floated between the, the cliques. And I'd get invited to the parties with the cool people and this and the other. Because you had drugs. Because I had drugs, right. And so that was the only way that I could intermingle with, with all these other people. That's the only reason they liked me. Um, but you know, within the halls of the high school, I was, you know, skater, guar, they, they, they had all kinds of names for us, but with, within my, within my little group, I had two or three friends that were really into horror. And so those were the guys that, you know, they would spend the night at my house. I would spend the night at their house. We'd go and rent movies and, you know, we'd sit. And, and we'd watch them. And I, I've talked before about um, how we used to sit around and eat pizza and watch Faces of Death. Um, and, and, and that was, that was our click. And, 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 you know, so it was like a group within a group. And, you know, there were a lot of people that weren't necessarily into horror that I hung out with that I couldn't really, you know, talk about, you know, I'd mention it and they'd just kind of, you know, roll their eyes or, you know, whatever. But, but I had this this, you know, really small, tight knit group of friends that, you know, we were sharing VHSs and and things like that. And, it, you know, it just it it created, I don't know, almost like a, a, a unity, you know, for us. We had something more than than just a, a common friendship. It was there was a bond there. Understandable. Yeah. Um, Gabe, did your hand go up earlier? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. So um, for high school, it wasn't really difficult for me to make friends. Like I was kind of the really nerdy person that got overly excited about horror movies and stuff. 
So a lot of people would uh, feel comfortable to be very nerdy with the stuff they liked around me, which was pretty cool. So I was able to make friends with people easily. Like people who didn't talk to people most would always come talk to me, if that makes sense, because they yeah. felt like they could yeah. be themselves around me. And so, like, whenever there was a new horror movie coming out, there's me getting all excited, and I'd just be bugging everyone to go with me, because I hate going to movies by myself, <laughs> and <laughs> my family wasn't really into it. So, um, yeah, that was pretty interesting, and then I'd always have people over to watch movies with me, and it'd be the old ones that no one's ever heard of, so I like to get people into that, too. <laughs> That's awesome. Erica? Yeah. Oh, go. So, I was, like, so not popular as a kid. Um, didn't help I was going to a, a Christian school that was very uptight and was also very sexist. So girls got treated worse than boys. So it's like, and I, even though I wasn't allowed to watch or read horror, I was really obsessed with gore. Like I had a, a human and a Grey's anatomy coloring book, which <laughs> cool, but they're like, Hey, it's educational. <laughs> yeah. I was weird. So I had that in my backpack and I had color in it and just, I was a well-behaved kid, but they were probably a little worried for me. And I usually had like, you know, just one or two close friends at a time um, in the lower grades. And then still wasn't like super popular in high school either. It's like, yeah. But then in college, like the horror obsession paid off because I got grants and scholarships to actually write about the horror genre and uh, kind of film history and gender studies, um, like an, an honors thesis about horror films, and uh, ended up making like a ton of friends there. And so, I mean, it is kind of interesting how like it flipped once I get got in that different social group. Although maybe it also helped that I went to a university at um, a state university or University of Nebraska. It wasn't a private Christian thing. Like if I had gone to Bob Jones, that would have just been another four plus years of hell. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I went to Catholic school for a while. I feel you. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about a horror movie. Right? Dreadful, gosh. <laughs> How long did you go to Catholic school? One year. Okay. And I said, fuck no, I'm not doing this anymore, Mom. You can't make me. <laughs> they put me back in the, gift is, the gifted classes. There's a whole stigma with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Get into that another time. Uh, Nico, did your hand go up? Well, I guess I'm next at this point, right? Oh, um, yeah. I guess you are. <laughs> excuse me. Um, see, for me, it was a little different because, like, I, as a kid, I was very nerdy. Even as an adult, I'm nerdy. But I was very popular in high school. But I'm still I'm the exact same way I am now as how I was in high school. And I had no problem. Like, wherever – I'm not trying to brag as – and Gabe, you, you've seen it firsthand, so I'm not bullshitting. <laughs> I can go anywhere and make friends. It doesn't matter where I'm at. I'm, I'm, that's just how I am. That's just how I've always been. Um, similar to you, yes. But for us, it really wasn't a stigma in, in high school for it because that was like, you know, what, by the time I was like 15, 16, I wasn't getting carded to go see R-rated movies at that point because, you know, as you know, we're, we're hitting puberty. Facial hair is coming in. The, the, the voice is already in. I'm going to get carded. <laughs> Those were the movies like we used to take our dates to. Like we were, it was like the date movie. And I went to like a very, very urban high school. But every Friday night, best believe that girl was like, "Where are you taking me? What what what's what scary movie are you taking me to go see?" You know what I mean? Like we were we were able like I mean I've gone on dates to go see Seven. Or, <laughs> even, yeah, so like, romantic. That's a good or, or 
Um, the curse of Michael Myers, like, you know, all, all those type of, those are all whatever, but it, it was at the time we were in school, this is what we did. And yeah, if not, like we would have like, you know, we would have parties with them. Like you would, I mean, we would smoke a lot of fucking weed and get really fucking drunk on fucking Keystone. You guys know Keystone and fucking Natty Ice. Nasty Ice was like the beer when you were in high school because it's cheap and easy to get. Oh, yeah. You know, Sean, you know. I, I do know. So Keystone Light and Nasty nasty Ice. Yeah, so that would happen. We would all, and then like as like the party, like we would throw on a horror movie and just like kick it and like laugh about it. Like Scream was like huge when I was in high school, just like with you, Candy, like, you know, because we're the same age. Yeah, we are. Um, Scream like fucking. My high school career right there. Excuse me, but you know between Scream, um, the craft, the faculty was another one that was big when when I was in high school. And not not that it's not it's not horror, but um, another big one was Cruel Intentions for some reason. Like the girls were Mm -hmm. nuts for that shit when it came out. Yes. Yes. So, but yeah, I mean, it, it it's different because like, and I was always the movie guy. Like, I was always into all that shit. So like, anytime like, you know, whether it was a uh, you know DC like Batman Forever movie coming out, or it was Scream Two or whatever it was, we all used to just go as a group. It, they, like, it didn't matter. That was like, like that was like the cool thing. Like, there, there was no there was no stigma for us. I guess I guess you could say. So I kind of I kind of got lucky with that one where, you know, nobody really like fucked with us or made fun of us because we're all into the same shit. It was different for me, um, I guess, being female. Uh, it's hard, and I think Erica can relate to this a little bit. It's, it's hard to find female horror fans. I think it's a little bit easier these days, but back in the day, it was harder to find like a girlfriend you could hang out with and watch horror movies with. It was always hanging out with the guys because the guys were watching the horror movies. And for me, it was like... Uh, you know, grade school, I was very, very shy, but I was always one of those, like, forever, even in college, teacher's pet. I was always the teacher's pet. I was always, you know, the good girl, but I was actually the bad girl a lot, so I was doing a lot of what you were doing. I was popular in high school, but I had, like, uh, body dysmorphia, so I was anorexic. I was, you know, uh, the blonde hair, whatever color I decided to have it. I was, I was very popular, and I learned the secret to being popular is not giving a fuck. So I would be sitting there at lunch reading Kurt Vonnegut and, you know, <laughs> you know, just kind of not eating lunch. And it, I just looked really fucking cool or something. And people just gravitated towards me. And I had, like, my own kind of style. So I, I, I got popular and I was like, okay. And the whole cheerleader thing, um, I did that because I was really into gymnastics. And uh, I got on this squad very easily. And then they were bitches. <laughs> it was like, I just, now, now you want to talk about feeling like an outcast. Like, I made the cut. I was a cheerleader. I was good at it, but I didn't care about the stuff that they were caring about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like shoes or whatever. I'm like, oh my god! I just saw, you know, fucking. I was watching Day of the Dead last night, and they're like, "What's wrong with you?" <laughs> like, wait, nothing. So, you know, um, then I started. You know, mo- most of my friend group in high school. You know, I was popular. I could kind of move among the tribes. Uh, there's the gifted child uh, stigma, which uh, is a thing. If you look it up, there's actually a syndrome, like, because we are doomed to fail. Because we never live up to being gifted after we get done with school. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was that. But, um, yeah, I, I just, you know, with the guys, you know, we smoke a lot of pot. They would throw on a horror movie, and it was like, cool. I've seen, I remember watching Reservoir Dogs, like, tripping on acid so hard. That's not a horror movie, but it's fucked up. It's fucked up, okay? 
not quite a horror movie, but it's pretty fucked up. It's Quentin Tarantino. I was like, what am I watching? Uh, Nico. So I kind of want to build on what you just said with Reservoir Dogs because it has one of the most infamous scenes. Yes, yes, it with, does. With Marvin Nash. Similar to the, to the Scarface uh, chainsaw scene. Which I mean, if you if you another another thing like with, with horror movies, it's like it's it's what you think you see, mm-hmm. yeah. But but you're not seeing shit, right? You know, and that that's what makes like like the scene with Marvin Nash and Reservoir Dogs such an effective scene, is that you don't see it, you hear it, yeah. and you're picturing it, the same as yeah. the the chainsaw scene in Scarface and much of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you yes. you don't see. It. You know, even, we're going to be talking about Halloween. Texas Chainsaw Massacre right after the holidays, so yeah. We're going to be talking about even, that. Even Carpenter's uh, Immortal Classic of Halloween. A lot of it you don't see, and your mind is yep. fucking with you like, no, but I, but I saw that. You, it's like the shower scene in Psycho. You didn't see anything. Yeah. yeah. You just but, thought but you did. But you, you thought you did. Yeah, well, and, I think that's really touch effective. On that, <clears throat> to touch on that, too, is is uh, we talked about earlier in the season uh, Alien. Um all of the, the almost all the kills are off screen mm-hmm. and you see the alien snatch the people and take them off screen and you hear him scream and you hear him you know die but you don't get to see it so it leaves it all to your imagination of you know what happened that's some of the beauty of horror make uh you know horror filmmaking um i think those are so much more effective sometimes and but sometimes yeah. i do like to see the gore i want to see the kills but um I just wanted to like round off what I was saying. Um, it, it eventually led to, you know, Sean and I um, have known each other since we were children. Uh, my best friend uh, was his cousin, and uh, she would watch horror movies with me sometimes. You know, it wasn't really her thing. And um, you know, with us, like the first time, like we once we got together, uh, reconnected, uh, it was Creep Show, and it, it was and Valentine's Day reanimator. It's just like it was like. All this time we've been together, that's what we do. Everything is horror. And so I found my horror soulmate. And, uh, you know, it, it was it's so great. Now, and having this show, the best thing to come out of 2020 has been all of you. Meeting you all and connecting and making these friendships. Uh, it just means so much to me because, and, and it's just I, I never had people to talk about it with. You know? And I think about it all the time and I watch horror almost every day. So <laughs> it's so great. Thank you, guys. I wanted to round it off with that. All together. That's true. This is, now, this um, is like, like you said, Avengers Assemble, and we all came together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How to roll out. I switched on you. Okay. Um, that kind of leads directly into, and we touched on a little bit, as how war has shaped our lives as we are today. Um, anybody have a, you know, want to comment on that? How it's, how it's shaped you into who you are right now? I'll, you know what? I'm going to go last this because I think I have a lot to say about this. So I'm going to give it their fair because I, 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 I have, what, I have I think, a lot. I think we can tie that into um, we're going to put these two topics together. How horror has shaped us to, to who we are today. And those of us who create something to do with horror, whether it's rating, uh, podcast, whatever, um, what inspired us to do that? So those two things together, who we are yeah. and why we create, why we continue. Um, I could go anyway. first if that's okay. Yeah, Dave. Um, well, with horror, I've always liked to make up my own stories and stuff like that. And like, I like to make up my own stories off things that happened in my life, like based off my teachers, my peers in class, and stuff like that. So I would like to be a writer. That's it's influenced me to be a writer and hopefully a director in my future. And mm-hmm. 
yeah, that's my big my big uh, dream right there. So that horror is a big part of my life because of that. That's wonderful. I love that. Absolutely. I think yeah. I think a lot of us have that in common. Yeah, I'm sure we all do. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if, if I can go next, so yes, how horror shaped me, as Candy said, I'm a parent, and you know I've been able to take you know my experiences with horror and and my love of horror and share that with my children um and and to kind of bring on that next generation of of horror fandom our son is 13 and his name is ash his name is ash <laughs> that's awesome Get it, ash. <laughs> and so so two years ago we showed him beetlejuice and he couldn't even make it through beetlejuice it was you know yeah, yeah. That once the sandworms came, he was he was out. He he couldn't handle it. So recently, we showed him The Exorcist. We we were watching it, and we invited him, you know, to join us. And I told him, I said, this is w- considered one of the scariest movies ever. And so he was intrigued. So he sat down and watched it, and we got through the whole movie. And I looked at him and I said, "What'd you think?" And he said, "That's it." <laughs> I was like. Ah! And I'm like, oh, okay. So, you know, horror has shaped me in a way um, that I've been able to pass along what my dad did for me onto my children. Dave, you know, you you mentioned it earlier about how uh, pass that along to your daughter, and and so I think it it's made it's made my experience as a parent more exciting. You know, I grew up watching horror. Um, from that, I got into reading horror, a lot of Stephen King, um, Nick Cutter, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, Richard Matheson. And it made me want to write horror. Um, so I, I do write. I, you know, I do like some of these short story competitions, you know, things like that. And it's fun and I have fun doing it. But, you know, I've also I've, I took it to a level um, back in the day I was in a metal band. Um, so a lot of that horror influence, you know, came through in some of the lyrics I wrote. And then later on, after um, I got out of the metal band, I went into producing like electronic, like uh, dance music and dubstep and things like that. And so, you know, I incorporated a lot of horror themes in that. But, you know, to this day, like I still write. Um, I don't publish a whole lot, but I do write for the fun. And, you know, it's it's mainly all horror. Awesome, awesome. Um, Dave? It, it's because uh, it's, I'm so old, it's hard to remember that far back, but I don't remember having uh-huh. a, lot, a lot of friends who were really into horror when I was a kid. I think I was the guy who was like, you have to watch this, you have to watch this. And like I introduced all of them to it. I don't think it was until the internet came around that I really found like-minded people like this, for example, like this is my Thursday night. Well, it's not Thursday night tonight, but you know what I mean? This is my once a week. This is my catharsis coming to this. Um, I think uh, the few friends that I did have in high school um, sort of tolerated my horror obsession because they liked I don't know, whatever else I brought to the, the table. But it was really uh, my, my horror journey up until I think the Internet was really very much a solo experience, except for my sister. Again, I've mentioned taking me, sneaking me in to see horror movies just because I think she wanted – Cause, but I think it was just a big fuck you to my parents, though. You know, <laughs> she's like, she's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fuck Dave up. You know, um, it's, it's, it's shaped me. I think just because it's like, 
it was just the only thing I had to like express, not express, but sort of release like all the tension. Like when you see a horror movie, when you see the kills or the, or the horror and then like, like a roller coaster ride when it's over, it's cathartic. You know, you made it through, you know, everything's fine. I think that's what appealed to me early on about horror movies. It's, it shows you some horrible shit, the most horrible shit you can imagine. But at the end of it, it's none of it's real. Everything's fine. You know, definitely a roller coaster ride. And it's, and it's a fun <laughs> and roller coaster rides are, are exactly for that. It's scared for fun. Yeah, and horror movies are a lot like roller coaster rides. Exactly. Well, I guess where the ups and the downs, you get the you get the little loan, you know, and yeah. Um. um, Erica. Yeah. Okay. I've got a lot, and I'll try to keep it coherent. Um, I know, despite kind of the stigma that horror films had when I was growing up, uh, a part of it, you know, with with Columbine, like I was at a a church meeting and some guy said people like you you know are the ones shooting up schools and i'm just thinking fuck you I, of course i'd say that but i thought like i don't i'm not the kind of person who does that and i guess he just meant this generic people who wear black and watch violent movies and it's like right whatever but you know in spite of that stigma for the most part i feel like um you know the horror genre uh, the horror genre has been very positive uh, in its impact on me and it's got me through like a lot of tough times in my personal life. And it also even inspired me to, um, get into victim advocacy. So I worked as a victim advocate for over a decade, mostly sexual assault cases, domestic violence and stalking were kind of the main ones. Um, but I was part of the sexual assault response team in my city. So I was going to the emergency room and meeting with victims and kind of being part of that forensic uh, evidence collection process for sexual assault cases. So I, I did see some really terrible, disturbing things on that job, but actually watching horror films helped me cope with that. And maybe part of it was that so many modern horror films show women as survivors, that yes. they're resourceful. So I, I always, I think I got a lot of inspiration from that and it helped me cope with like the real life disturbing stuff. And then same when I went on to grad school to study forensic science and did an internship where I was participating in autopsies and crime scene investigations and stuff like that. It's like those movies were such a big coping uh, tool for me. Um, and then as, as far as, I guess the second half of it, like, uh, as far as creating, um, aside from, well, I, I used to be a lot more active on my blog and then just the last couple years or since my mom broke her leg, I just have, feel like I haven't had that much time or focus to write, but, um, I've, I've been able to kind of be part of the, the process of creating horror in a different way in that I've, you know, met some of my favorite, um, actors and directors and got to work on an indie horror film in Russia last year. And we'll go back once this COVID travel ban is over and finish up that film and, and the uh, other film my friend is working on. So um, that was just like a dream come true. <laughs> and that's also yeah. where, you know, like when you're really obsessed, well, you get obsessed after you're really disturbed by something like, Andre Iskanov's films, especially Philosophy of a Knife, gave me nightmares for years. It was that. such a <laughs> subject. And and then it's like, oh, fuck it, I should just talk to this guy. He's on Facebook. So we were Facebook friends, and we were talking for, like, six years. And then he's like, 
I have a part for you in my movie if you want to, if you don't mind coming to Russia. <laughs> it's like, it's the most insane thing I've done in my life. But yeah, I'll go to Russia and act in this movie. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh my God. Like I'm jealous. That's so cool. <laughs> um, Nico. So how was horror shaped me? Um, in many, many ways, you know, a lot of everybody kind of hit everything on the, on the head, what they were saying with their, um, with their responses to it is definitely a, a coping mechanism. I don't want to say, see, all right, that, that's, that's not the right word to use. Um, I don't think it's really a coping mechanism. I think it's more like it's, it's a comfort. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the one thing that, that horror movies helped me with, I mean, honestly, it, you know, broadened my, my horizons as far as with, you know, different types of uh, film and filmmakers and actors and things of that nature. But it also introduced me to a bunch of people that, you know, such as you guys are very like-minded. Like, I mean, you know, me and Gabe are like, are like this, we're like as thick as thieves because if it wasn't for horror, I would have never met Gabe. That's or, true. Even, even my, my roommates or even you guys, I never would have met you guys if I never got into the horror genre. Um, it also helped me to kind of, um, I guess, exploit the um, the writer in me as well that I never knew that I had. So it also, you know, influenced me to kind of, you know, want to become a filmmaker still. And like, I still have, you know, my goals and aspirations. I'm going to be, I'm, you know, 42 next year, but that's, that's shit. That's just a number. You know? Me too. I'll be 42 before you, right? Before you. Know, you, and then but... too, you know, horror also, you know, helped me to kind of face my fears and realize, like, you know, while that's that, that's all fine and well, the real world is scarier than what we see on the screen. And, you know, it, it helps. It helps us yes. to, to deal with, you know, like the, the real life horrors of the world, you know, for all the COVID 19s and the Donald Trumps that we got to deal with and the, the MAGAs and all that. There's, you know, these, these movies give us like our, you know, our, our defenses are up to kind of like, you know, stand up to the, to the bad guys, to the monsters, you know? Um, and as, as far as creative, like, again, I guess the, the second half of your question would be, you know, what's influenced me to start writing scripts, to get more into screenplay writing, to, to become a director. You know, it's also helped me to kind of branch off and do my own thing. I'm, you know, I've very blessed and I guess cursed in the same aspect to say that I've done my own horror convention in Scranton. Yes. And as much of a pain in the ass as it was, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Because I, I, I think um, what happened with that is going to tie in, I think, into your next question that I'm going to just kind of pass off to you. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, I'm going to try to not get too, like, Debbie Downer on you. But I, I just uh, kind of had a, a rough life. And, um, you know, sort of like what Nico was saying, um, everything that was happening in real life was much scarier than what was going on in the films. And in the films... You know, um, I got to see the birth of the final girl. And that that's exactly where I get my um, my name, Katie, the final girl. Uh, it's a joke and it's it's a testament. Uh, it's serious and it's, and it's funny. Uh, Candy, uh, somebody named Candy in a, in a especially an 80s slasher would never be the final girl. <laughs> and, and just like uh, that's and that's very like me, like nobody would ever have picked me to be the final girl to be the survivor. But I am. And, you know, when I was going through one of the roughest time periods of my life, Monster Vision really, I got to say, Monster Vision and MSC3K saved my fucking life. That's why I, Joe Bob is, like, so important to me. 
I was like, I gotta meet him and I gotta tell him, like, dude, you don't understand. You, you saved me. I would just tape it and watch it over again because the only time I felt calm, mm -hmm. it was funny and comfortable. And I laugh at horror movies. That's the thing. It's it's funny for me. I like gore. You know, it's it's just something like, you know, I don't even feel weird about that. Like it, it's just fun because it's not real. Like I let me tell you. In real life, shit like that, it's, it's horrible. But in a movie, you're like, ah, it's just a movie. This is fun. You know, <laughs> it's cathartic. It's healing to me. It's not for everybody, you know? He's a special kind of person. I guess I have that kind of chip in my head where I'm like, ah, oh, this is, ah, oh, I feel so warm and cozy. And I got to say, you know, I'm not saying that Sean and I, <clears throat> excuse me, that we wouldn't be married because I, you know, the love is real. But I, I have to say that it's really awesome that you know we love horror so much because we watch it like practically every night and that you know we're not like oh one of us likes horror and one of us doesn't we sit we're like oh my god what are we gonna watch tonight let's see what's on shutter let's you know it's it's just like it's that thing and and, and we have shared it with our kids and as a creator um i gotta thank ec comics uh my mom had uh, all the back issues of you know um uh, Haunt of Fear, uh, Tales from the Crypt, like the 50 shit that they eventually banned for quite a while. Um, I Reading that, and then um, I was so advanced in my reading, I was reading Stephen King at like nine years old, you know, and uh, Stephen King, and that, that that inspired me to be to want to be a writer, and specifically a horror writer. Now, I have branched out, and I write kind of like, uh, I'm working on a true life horror thing uh, from personal experience, but a lot of my stuff is horror. And, um, you know, so those are those are my big inspirations. I because um, above all, I am an author. I've always been an author. I love writing. So, uh, yeah, it, it just it's it's probably the biggest influence in my life or is such a huge part of everything that I do. And it inspired me to, you know, nut up and, and say, hey, I'm going to do a podcast about this because I love talking about it and I want to talk to other people who love it. So this this is also something that we all create. This is our show. We create this because of horror, you know, so something to be thankful for. Definitely. Very well said. Mm -hmm. And so next we're going to um, go on to um, a little, little bit more fun topic. Uh, talk about horror cons. I know a lot of us have had, have had celebrity meetings, uh, and some friendships, uh, professional relationships, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, let's talk about some of your stories from horror cons and, and celebrity meetings. Uh, who wants to go first? So yeah, my um, first uh, celebrity meet was at um, Walker Stalker. I can't specifically remember how many years ago, maybe five years ago. And it was, uh, Russ Striner and Judith O'Day from Night of the Living, Barbara and Johnny from Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. And I was so excited. So, you know, they have the tables, uh, before, um, you know, you, you walk up and get these signed headshot. And then later on, there's the, um, the private sort of photograph session. Like if you pay for that extra, but I remember their tables were right next to each other and I'm standing there with my daughter. She was, you know, she was with me and I was like a little kid. I'm like, Oh my God, there's Barbara and there's Johnny. And, you know, and, and, um, so I, I, but not that many people were going up to their tables. So I went to see, I got up to see Judith O'Day and she is just the sweetest, just the tiniest little 
person. She's like a little tiny little woman and she's so sweet and she's so eloquent and it's so different from her character in the movie who doesn't say really much of anything. Um, and um, and then, But the thing I remember the most is later on when you had to queue up for the private photo session and, and you're all, there's all these lines and they're calling out the names. Okay, who's, I was the only person who paid for the Judith O'Day, Russ Dreiner, like combo shoot. Like the only person at all of Walker Stalker. Like Holy I was, shit. I was <laughs> the only guy and I was ashamed Phil for my kids. I, I think I probably said, uh, and there was, but they were just so nice. And, um, and I've met um, uh, Howard Sherman who plays Bob in, in, in uh, Day of the Dead, sorry. He was very nice too. Um, it's just such a thrill to meet these people um, to, that you've seen portray these iconic characters that you've watched since you were just literally since you were, you know, eight years old. And it was a, such a thrill. And I've, one of my experiences, they've been very nice and very gregarious and very understanding of the fandom. They don't mock it. They're very understanding. They, they'll engage you with questions. And, and it's been just a totally positive experience for me and, and a thrill, such a thrill to meet Judith and, and restaurant just I couldn't I, I was ready to just piss myself I was so happy mm-hmm. I have a feeling I'm, I'm yeah. the chihuahua piece on the rug <laughs> uh, <Sean. laughs> yeah, so we have we have two we have two uh, um, horror cons that come through Indianapolis uh, days of the dead and horror hounds um, we've been to both and you know me personally I think horror hounds much better um, yes and, and, you know, and that's not to take away anything from Days of the Dead, but they, Horror Hound seems to be. We had a bummer be... experience. I'm sorry to interrupt, but we did. That was, we were supposed to meet George Romero, and he died, like, a couple days before. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but, so, Horror Hounds, you know, it's just the way it's laid out. It, it just seems more professional. Um, and they, they bring Mask Fest, and they have a lot more vendors. Um, which I think is, you know, it's it's something that definitely, you know, goes into the horror fandom is all of the vendors that show up at these cons, you know, everything from T-shirts to DVDs to books to, you know, figurines. Um, I mean, anything you, you could imagine, you know, that you wanted to buy that involved anything from horror, you're going to find it there. Um, and the mass community is is phenomenal. Um, there's so many amazing artists out there that, that create uh, these these latex and, and silicone masks. Um, but, you know, as far as meeting people, you know, I've gotten to meet Bruce Campbell. I've gotten to meet Tony Todd, um, Ken Faree. Um, but my all time favorite um, will always be Tom Sabini. And Sorry. I, <laughs> I just feed on the rug. Tom, okay. Tom Savini, I, I, ever since I got into horror, special effects have, have just, I've practiced them, I've researched them, you know, I've, I did, when I was in college, I did, you know, speeches on, you know, practical effects, um, I got to interview Tom Savini when I was 19 years old, early days of the internet, you know, I got to email him these questions and he responded with the answers. And it was just, you know, it was such a, a cool thing for me at the time. Um, and, and just being able to meet him and spend just a little bit of time with him, you know, and have a conversation with him. I mean, it was just for me, it was like meeting God. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, he is like, he is like, you know, the the one. If I idolized anybody in the horror community, community, it's it's Sex Machine. <laughs> if, if I may uh, interject, I do. I have my hand up real quick. I just want to add to the Tom Sweeney thing. Like, I think we're the only two people in the entire universe who have positive reviews on meeting Tom Sweeney, and we've done it like I don't know how many times. But we fucking love him, and that's one of the things that we've always bonded over is our love for Tom Sweeney. And that's what inspired our our first, you know, movie together creep show because it was, you know, Tom Savini effects, George Romero directing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Tom Savini all day. Definitely. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's intimidating to meet in person. He's, he is because he is this icon. By reputation, but he's nice. Yeah. No, no, he's, he's a perfectly nice guy. But when, yeah, when you meet him in person, it is a different experience, yeah. Yeah. He has a presence that kind of exactly. Just... Yeah, he's he's a larger than life personality, especially in the horror community. Oh yeah. Well, he's, yeah. and and the thing with the thing with Tom Savini is his history. You know, he he, you know, he served he served in Vietnam. Yeah. Um, and my my dad did too. So there's a lot of similarities. So he's Daddy Tom to me. <laughs> uh, he's Daddy Tom to me too. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. Oh, no. For for different reasons. <laughs> Oh, come on, guys. I'm having a little fun here. What, what would other Daddy Tom say? Atkins. There's Daddy Tom Atkins, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy Tom Savini. Daddy Tom Atkins, yes. Daddy Tom Savini. Yes, yeah, so they're just two daddies. Yeah. Your dates are here. <laughs> Sorry. I still okay, want that uh, Tom Atkins fucked your mother T-shirt. I need to find that. I, I believe it's still available. <laughs> I need to find that shirt. That that I need that shirt. That episode's coming out next. So I'm really mm. excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, who who's next? Horrorcons uh, and celebrity. Erica? Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, You've got it never, some stuff to nearly talk. never occurred to me to go to any conventions or other meet and greets until 2014. And just, I was um, super burned out from my social work job. I was having health problems. And I just thought, I really need to just change some things and take some time for myself and just do things that are different instead of using my vacation time to go to a professional training, which is what I had been doing. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm going to like meet some people I think are cool. Um, so like the first person I met was Andrew Deboff, uh, probably best known for Wishmaster and Toy Soldiers and Lost. And uh, we're still friends and I work for him. So that was like a great life changing thing that would not have happened if I had not gone super obsessed with horror films. And uh, the second person I, I met that I really wanted to meet was uh, Camille Keaton from I Spit on Your Grave. I met her at Crypticon. Um, and yeah, we still keep in touch. And I've also, um, um, I also like was her roommate at a convention and like assisted her at her table and uh, oh, wow. yeah, we had some good times. So, <laughs> um, so amazing. I mean, that was, that was super awesome. And let's see conventions as a whole, as far as the ones I think are the best ones. Well, unfortunately, um, they ended it, but rock and shock was amazing. I thought, um, that was probably my my favorite one. And, Where was that? Um, that was uh, near Boston. Um, and uh, they had so many, like, really great celebrities at that. So it was basically you have a horror convention during the day, and in the evening they had uh, different rock performances. 
have all the horror programming during the day, and then evenings would be concert time. So I, that's when I first saw Guar. It was that odd period in, in Guar when they had, um, oh, now I can't remember her name, but they, um, she didn't stay with them too long. I think she was with them for a year, and then she was, like, apparently a much heavier drinker and partier than the rest of the guys <laughs> that up with her. Wow, okay. Up, like, replacing her with, like, some some guy, but <laughs> <laughs> like, like, drink too much for guar. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I love that. I love that convention. Unfortunately, I think um, it was either last year or the year before that it was their final one, and they're not bringing it wow. back. Um, although I I did go to Horror Hound once, and I thought that was very well done. Um, really, really great. Uh, you know, guest list, great layout. Um, and, and Crypticon Kansas City is also very good, and that's like the one that's closest to me. But I've only been there um, a couple times, so. It's awesome. I, I love your Brad Dorf story, though. Oh my god, <laughs> yes, the best story ever. <laughs> I know. I, every time we see Brad Dorf, I think about. I'm like, I think of your. Story. If I ever write I a screenplay, it. it's going to be based. It must on be that like my Bruce Campbell's story. Oh yeah, it, it's, it's kind of like, like that. Like it's infamous. Yes. <laughs> It's yeah, and I'm just like, oh, <laughs> I don't know if I should reiterate it now, but uh, basically at Rock and Shock, it was the debut of uh, Andrew Devoff's own craft beer, Gin's Hellebrew. And, um, you know, I, I had like three of those in like the same Saturday night when Guar was performing. And I just had not, I was so excited that weekend. I did not sleep for over 24 hours and I was just dead on my feet near the end of that evening. <laughs> And my best friends who were at that convention, um, and my feet were also blistered because I had these impractical shoes on that were like seven inch <laughs> platforms with high heels. It's like a series of bad choices on my part. I couldn't <laughs> all been there. My feet were like swollen up and bleeding. <laughs> so they like carried me out of the bar slash concert hall. And I think everyone thought I was just super drunk and passing out. And I wasn't. I mean, I was passing out from sleep deprivation, but not from too much alcohol. So I'm like the next morning, I like finally got in line to see Brad Dura because his lines were just insane, you know, the other day. So Sunday is always a little more calm. So it's my turn to see him. And he, uh, we're doing the photo op thing. He puts his hand on my shoulder and he's like, are you okay after last night? <laughs> oh my God, I would die. <laughs> and he had that voice too, so you're kind of like, oh shit. I can understand how you felt. And then I walked over to Andy's table after I'm like, oh my God, I'd like finally meet Brad Dourif and he remembers me for being the, you know, the drunk chick. <laughs> Like, did you get back to your hotel okay you seemed like you weren't doing well are you okay i'm like oh i love that story i, I must say i love that story he took it from yeah brad doris like are you okay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, yeah. and all you can do in a situation like that is hope you made for interesting story that he told somebody, you know. Yeah. Because right, <laughs> boy, have I been there. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> Brad Dorsett in his booth saying, let me tell you about this one girl I saw one time. In these ridiculous fucking boots. <laughs> um, Gabe. Um, so when I was a senior in high school, I was talking to these for people on Instagram. And then right after I graduated, they invited me to Monster Mania in New Jersey. And I, I'm from Santa Fe, New Mexico, so that's far. So my parents were very nervous about that. Yeah. And so but they, they ended up letting me go anyway. And we went to Monster Mania and I was really excited because uh, Nev Campbell, Daniel Harris and Brad Dourif was um was there as long with them. Um, that was Nev's yeah. first one, right? I'm sorry? That was Nev's first one, right? When she first came out from Monster Mania, but for one of the first times, right? I think it might have been, yeah. Yeah, yeah and um, I, I was very excited. I had never been to a convention before, and I'd never been out of New Mexico by myself before, so I was very nervous and very excited. And um, when I met uh, Nev Campbell and Danielle Harris, I couldn't talk. I was just too, I was too nervous <laughs> with excitement. I was yes, like, I know. <laughs> I was just like, I was just like, hi. And then um, Brad Dourif was pretty cool. He was a cool one. And um, I, I couldn't really talk to him either. And I went with no money because I, I didn't think you had to pay for autographs. <laughs> was, oh, good Lord. We, we dropped like a thousand bucks yeah. a day. At I things. know. I, like, I, it's I, ridiculous. I, I came with like two hundred dollars, and I was like, "Oh, you have to pay for these." <laughs> and they're like, yes. And so, yeah. so yeah, that. But it was fun, and then I also met Nico there, and we've been friends ever since. Yay. And um, yeah, we've been very close ever since. And I go, I I used to go at least two times a year, but I have I didn't go this year at all because of COVID. But I did the year before. But, yeah, so it's been great. It's been good. That's awesome. Yeah. No, that is um, awesome. Yeah. We actually had tickets for Days of the Dead this year and they postponed it like three days before the It was the supposed con. to be on Halloween. I had my costume. I was going as the Love Witch and nothing in my life was exciting. Uh, obviously this year because it fucking sucked because of COVID. And I've been ill. Well, I guess you can call it ill. Uh, I have a yeah. spinal injury. So like this was everything was banking on that that going to Days of Dead on Halloween and um, they canceled it three days before. And I was and, and it was funny because in January I was like I turned to Sean I said I have to meet Felissa Rose this year. And then huh? just by coincidence Felissa Rose was going to be a Days of the Dead. And then they canceled it. And I actually kind of had a little bit of a meltdown. I cried about it. I was like, I had oh, nothing no. fun this year. Nothing <laughs> fun happened to me. Anyway. I, I felt so bad having to be the one to tell her that too. <sighs> but but the beauty of the beauty of it is next year, you're all invited to come to our house. Well, and we can go to no, Days of the Dead or Horror. We're going to party all fucking weekend. I'm fucking coming. I love Indianapolis too, so I'm definitely down. And I'm a great hostess. I really am. I'll keep you fed and drunk. I'm there. Awesome. <laughs> I may never leave. Listen, That's okay. We're listen, trying to get rid of anyway. I don't mean to call him out, but Gabe don't eat much. He eats like candy oh and bacon. That's it. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're candy candy wrapped in bacon. Welcome. When candy I was three, I, lived off, I could live off stuff like that, but now I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but not that young anymore. I do, and Nico likes to tell everybody. <laughs> well, yeah, because like you know, he's like twenty three, doesn't gain a pound that this kid, and like, fuck, fuck you, Gabe. I love you, Gabe. But fuck you. <laughs> right? I just met you, and fuck you too. 
but yeah, that brings us to Nico, who um, also has some very interesting stuff to say. I think. Definitely. I mean, I don't even know where to start with this. I mean, aside from the There's obvious. There's a lot. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, doing my own horror convention definitely helped. Um, I, I definitely have some uh, some good memories, and I definitely have some bad ones. Um, I'll, I'll get the bad ones out of the way first. Let, let's just say um, one of the bad ones. I was going to reenact the scene from a certain Christmas classic with a certain Christmas bully where I was Ralphie. Hint, hint. Okay. Um, I feel you. Because he's a little shit. I don't even care. I mean, he could listen to this and he can go fuck himself. I don't. I could care less. I'm sorry, but fuck him. Um, he's he's one I wouldn't I wouldn't have quit again. Um, there's a certain mall rat that's not Brody that I would never work with again. Oh, okay. Oh. Yep. Oh yeah. Um, let me see. Uh, somebody from Phantasm that I will never work with again. Oh. We'll leave it at that. Spicy. Um, <laughs> yeah, at this point, I mean, I'm already done and I've already... Listen, I'm not, I'm not burning any bridges at this point because, like, I have enough, you know, within like, the, the within the industry that I'm not really hurting anybody by saying it. But, I mean, you know, you can kind of put two and two together if you were at the show. Um, obviously, we all know who, you know, I'm, like, super close with and yeah. have that I mean she recorded a video for Gabe at New Jersey Horror Con. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And he cried. He cried when he saw that. <laughs> Shut up. I probably would have oh, like, you know, because she was sitting there, she's like, oh well, you know, what do you want to do for you? And I'm like, listen, I got a friend that's in New Mexico. He couldn't make it out. She's like, get your phone out. We're gonna record a video for him right now. Oh, oh. This is so great. You I know? can't wait to meet her. I just know what's gonna know. happen someday. I believe that. Um, I hope so too. I'm actually uh, pretty pretty close with uh, with Tuesday night. Mm. I love Tuesday. She's a, she's a she's a genuine sweetheart. Um, Toy Newkirk. Actually, a lot of the Dream Master cast I'm very cool with, and I love them all. Oh, that's awesome. Like, they're they're really good people. Um, I would I mean I, I would definitely say Danny that. Hassel. Not that long ago. the world is Danny Hassel. Actually, Gabe, do you remember? Um, so we're at Monster Mania. This is actually a pretty funny story. <laughs> You know where I'm going with this. So, with this time too, so we um we we all arrived on on Thursday the night before the con and we're all at the, at the bar. Um, <laughs> so it's me, Bitchface, it's Gabe, and um these these two leeches that were leeching off me and Gabe the whole time. Yes. Um, so Danny Hassel and Andras Jones were were guests at the show. So it was Lisa Wilcox and Tuesday night, but the girls didn't get there yet. So. We were like, oh, let's just go to the bar and have drinks. And like, like if nothing, like we didn't even think anything of it. We just went to the bar. Me, you know, Danny Hassel, Andros Jones, we're just bullshitting. Mm-hmm. Bonnie Aarons walks in, the nun from the Conjuring movies. Mm-hmm. That lady's a total pisser, number one. Mm-hmm. I love her. She is like one of the nicest people, and she's sharp as a tack and, and, just, and funny as shit. We're like shutting the bar down, like they're all making fun of Tara Reed in the corner. Remember, because she was like in the corner yeah. pretending to. Yeah. <laughs> and like they're all—I don't know what it is. Like they were all just cracking on her, whatever. And we're all um having this conversation, and then Bonnie Aaron's goes, uh, "So how long have you been doing this show?" And I was like, 
oh, I've been coming here since 2013. And she's like, what do you mean coming here? Isn't this your show? And then Andras and Danny were like, no, this isn't his show. And she's like, oh. She's like, well, who the fuck are you then? And how do you know these guys? And they were like, they were like, look, he did a show in Scranton. We were guests, and we've kind of been like friends ever since. And she's like, oh, here's my number. If you ever do anything, call me. I'll I'll come out and do anything that you're that you're doing. I was like, oh, this this is cool, you know. Um, Rochelle Davis is another good friend of mine from the Crow. Sarah, she lives in Philly. We we chat from time to time. Uh, me and Jeffrey Combs are actually pretty friendly. Okay, so awesome. um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Gib, you've been there for a lot of this shit too. So like, it's not even like this is. I don't know why you're saying it. you you were there for a lot of it. For the uh, yeah, I remember. Lot, really... Um, what was it? Gib? Who were you mostly? Oh, he he didn't tell the story about the time he met Faruza Ball either. Oh my oh, gosh. Okay, I'm I was so excited. <laughs> I I couldn't really talk when I met her either. I remember. That sounds like me. Anytime yeah. I meet somebody, I'm like everything goes right out of my head. I'm like. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you now. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get Gabe to agree to come to Indianapolis to one of these shows because going going to a con with Gabe is so much fun because Gabe has like so much energy and it's like I don't want to say like child like but it's like he gets so excited. Like when he meets these people, and it's like it's like even seeing him with like those people, it makes it that much more enjoyable to be there. Like when he met the entire like Killer Clowns like reunion, he was in his glory, and it was like so much fun like watching Gabe have this fun with these people. <laughs> I'm like yeah. that too. So me and Gabe be great. Live and be the, those people that Chihuahua is like, yeah, oh my god, I'm so pumped. This is great. This is wonderful. Oh my god, oh my god, that's me. And I'm not even trying to call him off, but like, Gabe, Gabe is the one because how he said, oh, he went with no money. Gabe learned pretty quickly after that day. Gabe, Gabe meets basically everybody when we go to the cons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he really does. He, and Gabe, do I don't mean to call you out. I'm sorry, because like, they don't really know you, so like I'm kind of trying to give them like an idea. Um, Gabe is the one that will come with a backpack full of clothes and come with two empty like carry-on bags to fill with like shit from the con. For real? We drop a lot of money at cons. He does. Right. Of money. Yeah. Yeah, we do. I try to support yeah. like the the smaller, you know, people, you know, uh, the the vendors, you know. I try to buy like these one of a kind bags and shit. So I'm always just dropping money, like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, my favorite thing is the fucking eighteen dollar hot dogs at the fucking venues. I love. Those. Oh, we don't eat there. We <laughs> yeah. walk. We walk to a restaurant nearby. We we'll just fucking leave and like, You're like how, how much? Come back. Okay. Okay, you we don't eat how there. Much, uh, how much the, the dinner and lunch buffets are at Monster Mania? What was that? You want to how, much much the lunch? how much the lunch? He's at, at Monster Mania? They're like 20 bucks, huh? No, it's like almost 30 now for that. What's oh, that? Shit. No. And then I just get I'm bacon. Sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. By us, there's, there's three. There's Monster Mania, there's, there's Chiller, and now there's New Jersey Horror Con. Um, New Jersey Horror Con, they, they've been getting people that, for whatever reason, Monster Mania will not book. I don't know why. Like David Howard Thornton from Terrifier. It's like a, it's like, and he's such a nice guy, and he's been one of the most, he's been one of the most requested guests for from Monster Mania. I don't know what it is. He he won't book him, but New Jersey Harcon sure as fuck does, and he's always got a line. Felissa always has a line, not in Monster Mania, but she's at New Jersey Harcon. Felissa killing it, you know. Um, but I I can't front like I mean again Monster Mania brought, brought me and Gabe as, as as brothers at this point you know like if it wasn't for that him and I would have never met mm-hmm. and I honestly if not, if not going to that first okay. Monster Mania when I met John George Romero 
which, by the way, was one of my greatest celebrity experiences. I was so close. I was so um, jealous. <laughs> I was so close. He, um, you know, he imparted some some wisdom on me, but if it wasn't going to that show, I don't think I would have done my own convention at least once and said I, that I, you know, financially it might not have been successful, but I did it. It'd be great to just to have that experience at least, you know. I can. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, like you know, especially when when you get the the whole the whole cast of the Dream Master there, but you know, the man himself is three hours away in Maryland mm-hmm. and can't mm-hmm. come because he's already booked. And I met him, and he's he's a pisser, that dude. Robert he's amazing. Yeah, he's, oh, yeah. he's, he's amazing. He's so sweet. Oh my god. But you know, we we couldn't get him because he was already booked solid for that for that show, for the other show. He's a flirt. He's he's really quick with it too. Like the shit that comes out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, he, he definitely I'll, I'll calmed this, me down because I was I'll, like, I'll, I'll <gasps> real, real quick. So me and me and Bitchface actually had um VIP to meet him. This is back when he was still forty bucks on a hundred and whatever the fuck he's charging now. I think we paid sixty. <laughs> so, um, we were told to be in the remember Gabe, you know, like, the little, little pit is at in the lobby for Monster Mania by the. By the restaurant right there yeah the the other area right right so we were told to be there at 4 30 that we're gonna bring us up to go to the room he he had his own room at monster media you know the one upstairs that we're talking about where christina ricci was uh-huh. and all that shit okay yeah so they were like be here, be here. they were like be here be here at 4 30 you know that that's your time if you're not here you're not meeting him so we're like okay so we get there we still had a fucking wait three and a half hours before we even got to him. Because people had fucking Tupperwares filled <laughs> with fucking Freddy Krueger shit, right? So this Monster Mania staff comes up to him, and they're like, listen, you gotta kind of like speed this up, Robert. Like, I mean, people are waiting, and, you know, he's like, fine. He goes, I won't do photos with, with anybody else. But he goes, except for these guys. These guys are VIPs. They paid. He's like, they get whatever they want. He goes, including oral sex. Oh, that's amazing. At least he didn't make it weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, did he did he do the voice for you, Candy, or no? Um, no. Um, he was just mostly like, wow, because my uh, me and our oldest daughter. Uh, she was only 15 at the time, so this was five years ago. Um, but uh, he was just so sweet to her, like adjusting. They they did a couple photos because her glasses. She wears glasses, all of them. Everybody in the mm-hmm. house wears glasses, but me. But there was like glare, so we got a couple photos that just gave us for free. Um, yeah, I think I think the there professional. was there was one point where he used the the glove to get the hair out of her eyes. Yeah, and then adjust her glasses with it because he was wearing the glove. And then he was just like, "It's you guys are just, you two are just so beautiful." And I could tell, you know, you, you know, mother and daughter, I and mean, you're just lovely, lovely ladies. And I, mean, I just felt like, and he smelled good. He was such a gentleman. I was just like, he's a classy dude at the after party. Like we're all drinking like beer and like taking shots. Here he is with like a glass of wine, just so like he's definitely classy. <laughs> yeah, maybe he, he felt was, like a complete fucking bum with that when he walked by. I'm like, great, <laughs> thanks. He, he was my uh, he was my first uh, horror celebrity meet 
Um, we started going to uh, Horror Hound here, and they've since changed venues a couple times. At the, the first one we went to was the one with uh, Robert England. Um, horror Hound is, uh, in the Midwest, it's the best horror con, I gotta say. Um, but Days of the Dead is also here. It's just a little less... It's smaller, right? It's smaller. It's not in, in the nicest hotel. You know what I'm saying? But but Horror Hound originally wasn't either. And then it switched to like this fancy hotel um, downtown. Because I think it, before what was on East Side? Yeah, it was on the East Side of Indy. East yeah. Side sucks in Indy. You, no, don't go there. Oh, no. Um, I, I know. You don't go to the east side. <laughs> oh, um, I, so, I mean, I, I know, but I trust you. I know. <laughs> been there's there. parts of the west side and definitely not the south side. Uh, Erica. Oh, my God. So we're talking about dodgy uh, hotels associated with conventions? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So uh, <laughs> the the first uh, like the real convention I went to was uh, Crypticon KC. And, oh, man, I don't even know how to describe the shit that happened there. So we were at this decrepit, like, condemned building. I didn't know it was condemned at the time. Um, it was minimally staffed. Um, the convention hall started to smell weird because it was the middle of summer and they had this persistent plumbing problem where basically uh. the sewer gas was coming up through the floor. Um, and I, I'm really glad that I, I was supposed to go back there the next year and I didn't I'm glad I didn't um oh my god um <laughs> uh, I guess the following year like people were saying like oh my god there are bed bugs um oh. Oh. No. No. there no. were like uh, people who had like itchy um, <laughs> some there was like only one or two people on staff and there were a bunch of like homeless people and junkies who had just moved into rooms and they were you know um, the weeds were overgrown in the lawn, and then um, oh no! Eventually, oh, no. that whole building was torn down. Um, I'm trying to remember God, what it was called. So. It was some kind of Ramada convention hall thing. Um, and then, like some some guy was trying to steal copper pipes out of the elevator shaft. <laughs> oh my freaking god! Why does this so Why does this sound the- like a rave I've been to? <laughs> right? Back in the 90s. Because. Yeah, this is a rave. Right. <laughs> Shit was fucking so, crazy. So they ended up moving it, you know, like when I went back there in uh, 2017, I think, was the, the other time I went there. And it, it was a little bit better, but it was like not a great location. Like they had really awesome guests there, but it was just like, oh, the venue. But at least it wasn't full yeah. of bed bugs and crackheads. Um, always, always a plus. Dead bodies yeah. in the elevator shaft. <laughs> <laughs> this is where the actual con was actually held. Yeah, yeah. It was oh shit! And dinner, so it was all I feel bad for like the the fans and the the celebrities. Right. Like God, yeah. Yeah. I, I think adorable. I went there. Yeah, it was the last sort of passable year when I was there. But then, like the following two years before they they had to move it, it was just increasingly a disaster (laughs) and i'm not i'm not sure if you guys know exactly like what goes into the horror con process when you're the promoter but but it's a lot like you have to cover all their airfare their hotels their per diem even though half of them aren't supposed to get per diem but like they you know first year you don't know any better um and the guarantee on top of that you have to cover you should do a horror con 
you want to you really want to do that because I'm just yeah absolutely I would do it I want to do it now it's it's a pain in the ass but I mean I I could absolutely I've I've been pain in the ass every day I have three kids dude (laughs) <laughs> I, I feel like also like the financial burden of doing this i mean i also found out and i'll say it off Let's there because I can't, together. Can't there. Wait, there, there's a no. way to, there's a way to help with it if you lose money on it that i didn't know about so again naivety kicked in because nobody nobody wants to help you when you're in that industry and they don't want to be like hey just do this no i had to find out the hard way about everything like now i'm i'm, I'm fully confident that i can go in and do my own convention again and actually kick ass this time for the Dude, I'm in. I'm in. Absolutely in. I'm there. Let's yeah, to go. I'm gonna go back to my uh, thing real quick. Uh, like Days of the Dead uh, that comes through here is they do get awesome guests. The the year that we went, uh, I I have this. Uh, we have a Dawn of the Dead poster because you guys know my love for all Romero things, especially you know the, the Dead movies. And uh, you know it's, we're collecting signatures. Of course, we had Tom, Daddy Tom Savini. Um, and I wanted to get Ken Free. I definitely wanted David MG because I'm obsessed with Flyboy. That's my next tattoo. It's going to be a big one over here. Um, Hell yes. And Galen Ross and Scott Reiniger. Uh, well, for some reason, they fucked up. One, we had bought the thing for George Romero, and it canceled like a week before we got our money back. We were like, what the fuck's going on? He's, and they said he was sick, and then he died. So, like, we go there, and there's this, like, Paul over the whole thing like okay so you know it was really depressing that the atmosphere was depressed um and then they falsely advertised because galen ross and david mg were not there so we did meet scott Ryder and he was nobody was at his table poor guy and they loved i loved his character and he just had some of the great scenes in donald dead and meeting ken Faree was fucking amazing dudes like tony todd like fucking massive huge yeah. tall guy it makes me Big feel guy. like oh. like an oompa but uh, he's also uh, his hometown is Indianapolis, so uh, so we get to talk about Indy and you know how awesome is it that you're here at your home and able to do this and stuff like that. So that was really fucking cool. But it was still it was just kind of a depressing con, and they don't always have a very good venue. So uh, and Horror Hound has changed. We did not get to go last year. One uh, Pee Wee Herman was supposed to be there, and he, they had to cancel that. And I was kind of fucking pissed about that. Um, cause I love Pee Wee, but, um, but I will say, um, I had, uh, Nico. No, no, I was going to say, do not feel bad about that at all. Was he, is he about not so, seeing Pee Wee Herman? So don't, don't ruin Gabe, my... Gabe, no, Gabe, huh. Gabe was there. That was the one that, that Elvira was at. She was like right next to him. And yeah, yeah, they're uh, friends. yeah they are. But Pee Wee was like such like a fucking stickler for like everything. Like he was not like uh-huh. super. Yeah, no. he was right Gabe, like I mean the the atmosphere like from what we were hearing, like he really yeah. wasn't like the most fan friendly and like the greatest oh. like to be around. Well I guess it was meant to be. Yeah, I didn't get to I, meet him but I didn't really want to. Yeah, because I mean <laughs> like honestly I, like I he was charging all this money and I, I do too. But honestly like I mean Gabe and I had, had to make like like that 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 gut check when we walked through and we're like, Well, Pee Wee or Elvira, so we'd be picked the better of the two, honestly, in, in that pick Elvira, I guess. Okay, in, in that so I learned something new. Just but, chose uh, wisely. But so Elvira last year, is amazing. Uh, yeah, I bet I can't yeah, she's on my list. Um <laughs> but uh, last year was my fortieth birthday and I did and I kind of do this thing like the older I get, the longer I celebrate. And I had a big fucking blowout last September. And September is when Horror Hound is. But see, I had made the choice to, I had a once in a lifetime opportunity last year 
to go to Chicago, which is only a two-hour drive from here, from Indy, um, but to go to Chicago, and I got to see the, the original Misfits did a re- reunite tour, and they're my favorite, one of my favorite bands, and uh, getting to see Glenn Danzig and the original Misfits, because um, they broke up when I was like four years old, So, and I've been listening to them my whole life, so I was like, I have this opportunity, and they're only doing a handful of shows throughout the country, so I picked that over Horror Hound. So I'm, I'm kind of, like, I, I don't regret it because I, I, I don't think I'm going to have the opportunity to see Misfits again, the original sure. Misfits. So, you know, I, I made my choice. But uh, but they had, but I but last year was the first year that they had it. They have now moved it to the convention center, which is going to be way cooler than having it in those fucking hotels. Um, so hopefully next year um, uh, things are going to be better. And when you guys all come out and we fucking party all weekend and go to Warhound, we're going to be hitting the convention center. And the cool thing is, I you know, it's not a far drive. We can And then when we're done, we can fucking come home and crash, you know. You don't have to stay in a hotel. We got a house. I was I was actually gonna ask you so like I, I know like for for us like Monster Mania, you know the the, the fucking Chiller New Jersey Horror Con well, New Jersey Horror Con is actually in a casino now in Atlantic City oh. casino hotel, um, which by the way props to New Jersey Horror Con um, it is a smaller of those those three shows, but if it wasn't for them I never would have got to meet my um, I don't know I guess my my um, ultimate bucket list of David Norton because of how much I love American Werewolf. Um, but most of them are are in like a hotel setting. So how does because just it kind of explains me like how that one works with with Horrorhound. Well, Horrorhound is is just so big and it's so renowned and it's it, you know people travel to it. Um, it's it's a big deal. Um, there are we have so many hotels. I mean, you've been to Indy. It's a big city that doesn't feel like a big city. But right. there's plenty of hotels all over town. And, and none of it's a super far drive. You know, even if you have to drive 30 minutes, it's, mm-hmm. it's better than having to drive the whole, you know, length. But, you know, um, the cool part about uh, having friends in Indy is uh, you got a place to crash. And you don't have to pay. And we could just come home and do whatever the fuck we want. Put on some more horror movies, party, drink. I don't care. And I guess to so kind of build on that, anyway. like, I, I, I know from, like, not, not just doing one, but, like, because, you know, I, I kind of have to keep up on that kind of stuff because, like, we were just... I don't know if we were really legit. I mean, we, I mean, with 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 my thing, but I mean, I would like to eventually try to get back into the game eventually doing it. But I mean, I do know that if, that if you go if you go across the you know, there's there's five total that are like the creme de la creme for for horror kinds, and in no particular order, um, Horror Hound, Monster Mania, Texas Frightmare. Yes, I've heard of that. Um, I'm, I'm like so want to go to that. I've, I really want to go to Texas right now because I've heard that that's the best of all the cons. That's what I've heard, too. That's why I'm like, oh, I really got to do that. I and fucking hate Texas, though, but for my own reasons. But I'll go. <laughs> I, I'll I like go. it only because went my favorite football team, the Cowboys, even though we suck, play there. Um, <laughs> and Mon- Monster Palooza in, in Pasadena. Yeah. Or like, like the top four. Now, um, Fangoria's coming back with the Weekend of Horrors next year. Hmm. So okay, they're gonna they're probably they're probably gonna be like a big uh, force to be reckoned with, but I mean those are your your top five. And I mean anything else, yeah, like Days of the Dead and Chiller and New Jersey Horrorcon, whatever. But none of them are on that on that level of a five, or of, of you know. No, but guys are able to pull off. I mean, right. I mean, Christ, you guys had Jamie Lee Curtis in Indianapolis for her one and only con. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, like Monster Mania is able to fucking pull in like people like Nev Campbell for like their first and yeah. You know, fucking it, it's just you know it, it's insane how like they're able like like the reputation of these shows grow. And I am saying this in all 100% seriousness. I would love to be involved with that. Okay. I'm doing one. I'm yeah. serious. But uh, we got to get ready and wrap up, but I do have to to, to talk about this. And <laughs> what I'm what I'm holding up is a picture of, I'm, I mean, I'm a blonde normally, but I switched to black because of the, uh, the pandemic had caused a bleach shortage. I don't know what happened. So I'm, I have black hair now and I'm keeping it. But um, blonde me, looking terrified and wanting to die. Mr. <laughs> Bruce Campbell himself. This is one of the many people I've met. There's Sean having a great time. Uh, <laughs> I, great if you've listened to any episode of the show, you know that I am absolutely in love with Bruce Campbell. Hail to the chin. But whatever you do. And, okay, so if you follow my Instagram, Candy Final Girl. Uh, you see that it's a mixture of horror, talking about the show or something that I love, uh, different weird makeup looks that I do, and I'm always hawking products because I get compensation for that. Soap and Glory, you fucking owe me, but this is the hand cream. Don't ever take it. It's called hand food. I put it on religiously um, mm-hmm. all the time. It's a nervous tick. Don't ever take this to meet Bruce Campbell. Don't put it on your hands. He will fucking embarrass the shit out of you. Hand food. <laughs> Thank you, Soap and Glory. I want my money. That's gonna be I'm the next loyal episode. to that shit. I still fucking use it, even though, like, but I'm, like, at a horror con, I'm, like, I gotta have to, I'm going to have to take that out of my purse. I cannot have that experience again. It was literally, like, the, the scene in Evil Dead 2, um, where everything's laughing and then the screaming. Like, I, I wanted to scream yeah. while everybody else, like, all those people. He's, he's like, because he's so fucking loud. And I was, like, oh, my God. God, what do I do? So in that picture, I'm thinking you could just see that, like in my eyes, like fucking kill me, just fucking kill me. So I want to do over Bruce Campbell. Want to do over? I'm sorry. Do over. I have the one with him here, but we had to do like the social distancing. We're like six feet apart. Yeah, yeah. But this is like the okay. So I've only done like maybe two professional photos in my life. That one was Bruce Campbell was the one. The one was for Gabe's birthday when he came out the last time. It was um he really Gabe, you you still there? Yeah. Okay. Well, when he wanted to, when you want to do the whole Soska sisters, um, yeah. photo op, but the bloody one, I kind of had a little bit of like a little. I don't want to say an attitude with them because I really don't don't like the Soskas to be honest with you. That, I'm that's not. Just me I'm not a fan. Yeah, and I and I, I've heard some some shit that I don't yeah, you know particularly some, uh, care for. Things. Yeah. That being said, um, if if I had well, I could pull it down, but it's kind of a pain in the ass. But um, I'm the only one that's not covered in blood in the photo. <laughs> purpose. I had brand new fucking brand new fucking she's like so she's coming up with the squeeze bottles I'm like uh no and she's like what do you mean I'm like I'm like this I, I point up and then I point down I'm like brand new kicks brand new Jordans you ain't getting a fucking scratch on these bitches yeah she's like understood I don't like shit in my hair like I'm very particular about my hair and my face like do not no I mean, Gabe is covered because they were like, "Oh, it's it's his birthday though, so you can cover him." <laughs> oh, I was excited. <laughs> well, at that point, um, that's really uh, our stop point, and we're gonna wrap up. But I hey, think, uh, Candy. Yes. Real quick, can I can I read off these uh, nine levels of horror fans? Oh yes, yes, the nine levels of horror. Okay. Please do. So, There's and it, just found. because it's it's kind of funny because I think we all kind of 
kind of fit into one of these levels. Um, <clears throat> so these are the nine horror, nine levels of horror fandom. Uh, level one is the tourist. And this is the person that's seen the Touchstone movies, uh, Exorcist, Shining, Rosemary's Baby, um, and the hybrids, Alien and Sixth Sense. Garden variety. Um, the, these are the people that think uh, Guillermo del Toro should only make Hellboy movies. <laughs> Level two is called The Dabbler. Um, this is the most common horror fan. This is the one that grew up with uh, Freddy, Jason, Chucky, Leatherface. Um They'll happily watch um, anything new mainstream like uh, Final Destination, The Conjuring, um, and they own they own all three Evil Dead movies, as well as that VHS copy of Leprechaun in the Hood that they got really hot and laughed about. <laughs> level three, Dave, this is you. Um, this is level three is Grandpa Munster. <laughs> Typically, typically, a, typically, typically age 50 plus. This old timer remembers the, the good old days when horror movies relied more on atmosphere than tits and gore. That's my mom. Although I like tits and gore, so, you know, yeah, I'm both. Yeah. Uh, level four, like level, level four candy, the gore bro. Um, <laughs> you're a, a grand Guggenol guy. Um, you're obsessed with horror movies. Not just for cheap thrills, but as a kind of transgressive secret handshake. Um, <laughs> you have the you have the foot slice scene from Audition as the background on your IMAX desktop. I'm so attacked by this. <laughs> level five, level five is the aficionado. They've seen all Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Streets, and Texas Chainsaw Massacres, all the Halloweens, especially three. <laughs> and all seven and all seven saw movies oh. Oh, um, that's there have been seven they've read <laughs> books about the history of these films and are card carrying Fangoria subscribers since age 13 oh, God, I'm um, the level six the criterion erection <laughs> <laughs> These are the yeah yeah weird. these are the these are the foreign horror fans, um, not afraid to read subtitles, and they worship the altar of Eyes Without a Face, Hour of the Wolf, Rob. Martyrs, <laughs> right. no. and, and the Vanishing. Um, they I also make it. a they also make a good argument about why the Dario Argento edit of Dawn of the Dead is better than the Romero version. And they're wrong. Mm. Well, they're fucking stupid. Yeah. Level wrong. level seven, and I think I think we all may fall into this. The autographed hound. <laughs> <laughs> as long as the line's not too long. It's, it says I'll you'll see this guy time. you'll see this guy or gal at a horror convention sporting a Christopher Lee tattoo or a vintage Don Post mask. They'll stand in line for two hours and pay fifty dollars to get a signed photo from Sid Haig or Linnea Quigley. Yes, I would. Yes, it would. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, has attended every one of Universal's Halloween Horror Nights since the mid-90s, dressed as Bub from Day of the Dead. They have not seen the sunlight in a long time and bear a passing resemblance to a vampire with a Misfits patch on its jacket. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> so I just took my Misfits jacket off when we started. <laughs> <laughs> Level 8. Yeah, I'm a vampire. Level eight, the obsessive. 
Pasty skin? Check. Thousand yard stare? Check. Publish a poorly Xerox zine? Check. Publish <laughs> um, a really bad blog? Check. They, <laughs> they worship cult fetish objects like the Gorgor Girls and Necromantic. Oh, <laughs> Owns four different books on Ed Gein and once tried to get a job at a funeral home unsuccessfully. Sounds familiar. I did yes. try to get a job at a funeral home once. What happened? What happened? I can't even be around dead bodies. Well, it, I can't do it. I'm just it was to it was to pick up the dead bodies, like to be on call, but I had a full time job and I couldn't do it. Yeah. It was just a part time like thing to fill in, you know, get extra hours that my regular job, you know, didn't give me. And it's like, I just need to make some extra money. So, yeah, I was the person picking up dead bodies and then prepping them for embalming, like washing them, putting moisturizer on their skin. Yeah. No. Wait, you did this? Yeah. OK, we need to do an entire show on this alone. <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> and I'm clearing my calendar for this. I get squeamish about dead bodies. I get yeah. squeamish. See, that's the thing. Is I love horror, but I don't like real life shit. Like real, real life dead body. Even if it's like a loved one, I'm like, I'm not going near that shit. Right. I, I was yeah. like afraid that I would pass out. Like when I first, I, I also had an internship at um, the Las Vegas coroner's office. So yeah, I didn't mean to derail your top top nine. No, you're you're fine. I I. In- I entered at the mortuary here for a little bit, and I, I can just say I can handle the sight of dead bodies it's and internal smell. organs, but the smell of formaldehyde. Ugh. The smell of decomp. For me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh. Yeah. Oh. yeah. It's enough to send you over the edge. Mm-hmm. And and just to just to finish off your level nine, the professor. <laughs> this. This fine fellow had to rent out two storage units, one for his VHS collection and the other for his memorabilia. That's, that's me without the storage unit, though. Has, has seen all 1,245 episodes of Dark Shadows twice. Oh, and, I like Dark Shadows. And owns slipcase editions of every EC comic. He course, corresponded with Stephen King as a teenager, teaches a class on horror fiction. I would. And is... And is on the voting committee for the Rondo Awards each year. Oh, man. <laughs> right. Dude, I wish. Oh, yeah. I'd love to teach Not a class on that. I, I could teach. I mean, that was like the only fucking thing I could do with my fucking... I couldn't major in creative writing, so I majored in English. And it was like, you, you have two choices. Be an English teacher or don't have a job. Or, you know, be a teacher. <laughs> yeah. you know, I, and I didn't want to be a teacher, but I would teach that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't fun. have the personality for a teacher. I'd be like hanging out with the kids, like, so what's up, dude? What did you watch this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be that teacher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's interesting because I kind of identify with the different levels, but it's kind of you know I hate the fucking Saw movies. You know I hate the Saw movies. Oh, I'm there. I like. I watch the first one is good. The rest of them can go fuck themselves. They're stupid. I just think part five mostly can go fuck itself. But I think there are several <laughs> sequels, and they're not all my favorites, but some of them are decent. Should have stopped after three. Three was the perfect ending for the whole franchise, yeah. really. I, I admitted that for yes. I didn't see all of them because I wasn't doing that, no. I was Although like, I am really curious about the new one, Chris Rock, of all people. Yeah, yeah. 
And Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, come on. How many times are we going to hear motherfucker in that? I mean, we heard it once in the yeah. trailer. <laughs> you yeah. can't hear it enough. Motherfucker is my most said word, <laughs> according to rap, but I don't know. I mean, I'm like, you know, am I Samuel L. Jackson say what? now? Legend has it that the L in Samuel L. Jackson stands for motherfucker anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> <you know. laughs> say what? Say what? One more motherfucking time. What ain't no country I ever heard of? English, motherfucker, do you speak it? (laughs) Does he look like a bitch? Does he look like a bitch? I always say the thing where he's like, I'm going to walk the earth. (laughs) I see it when they're talking. He's like, I'm just going to walk the earth. I'm like, yeah. That's a really cool scene. Thank you, Quentin Tarantino, for... You know, you're fucking creepy as shit, but I like your movies. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick! 